Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Peters, and it's outside my window. It's starting to look like spring. There are trees with little pink and white blossoms on them out there. Some of them are still bare, but there's a lot of little green buds. Maybe the same thing's happening where you are. I did see pictures from a friend who it's, uh, is in Minnesota who got snow yesterday. So depending on where you are in the country, man, spring is a moving target. We've we've sprung forward, right? We fall back and spring ahead. We've already done that as we record here, but and Easter is just around the corner as we record. Uh, by the time you listen, it's probably past. I know it's a busy, busy season, uh, but spring is springing. And with that comes new life and new energy. And, and uh, it's a time for us to kind of do some spring cleaning, right? When we uh, we reevaluate some things. And so one of the things that I want to encourage you listeners to think about is to reassess and reevaluate what you're doing in your ministry to partner well with families. Uh, we really have to be all about not only what happens at church, but what we're influencing to happen at home. That's such an important part of training up children to walk with the Lord is what's happening in their homes. And that needs to be an important essential uh, part of our strategy in the church. So as we approach spring, I wanted to bring back a really good friend uh, to talk about parenting. Is it something that he lives in every single day, how we can encourage and coach parents? And that's our good friend, Chad Higgins from over at Lifeway Students. Chad, welcome back. Hey, thank you so much. It is, is it great to be back. Is it springy where you are? You're you're in Oklahoma. Is it springy yes. there or did you get yeah. snow? No, Oklahoma, we have four days of spring every year. Okay. <laughs> um, so we are, you know, I think we're like two and a half days into it. Before I know it, it's going to be 103 outside. Um, but yeah, we, dude, it is so nice here right now. Um, I am trying to get grass to fully grow in my yard, which, um, if you would have told like 21 year old Chad that his, one of his main like worries and concern is whether or not the grass is fully going to come in, I would have been like that is not sound like who I am at all. Is but, there, so what is your, what's your grass situation? Like, this is something we can all relate to. Everybody's yeah, yeah. looking out the window at something. Is What kind of grass are you dealing with? Well, and so if, if I can get some advice from anybody that maybe is like a grass aficionado, yeah, that's please not email me. Sorry. me. <laughs> well, so here's what, ha here's what happened. I had some like fescue grass okay. in my backyard. Um, about a year ago, we had a big ice storm. And so I lost a tree in my backyard. Okay. And that was like nicely covering this like fescue grass. And then once that tree went bye-bye, like that fescue grass got like full Oklahoma sun all day long. And so it died. And so then I had this like big, like dirt, like just bare spot that I've now been trying to like incorporate like different grass. Seeded. Into. I, yeah. yeah. Anytime I'm trying to like learn of like new grass and what can like, function in my soil and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway. So our, see our yard is, uh, we, we live on just a couple acres, not a lot of land by Tennessee standards, but we've got about three acres. Our yard used to be a cow pasture. It's a field. It. And so it's, it, when it starts to come back, it's clumpy. 
you get the okay. big, you, it's basically weeds that are green and we just keep them mowed. And as long as you keep them, the <laughs> weeds it. cut, it looks like grass and it's green, <laughs> but, uh, it's not exactly fescue. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in the phase now where we have some big clumps and some little clumps. We've started mowing, but I've already had, so last weekend, my, my two boys who are 16 and 13 hop on our mowers. I've got a couple because Love one it. always breaks. Yeah. And uh, we've already got a broken belt on the mower. So we started to mow and now we're set back to zero and I've got to get a, get an Amazon belt delivered and installed on that mower so we can get back to work. Have you, have you mowed yet, Chad, this year? We have, we've, we've, we had one mowing so far. Um, we've been doing a lot. I mean, cause we, I like, we aerated our lawn to like put new seed in because wow, of that dude, main invested. area. Yeah, dude, listen, I'm. And here's what's I'm going to put a lot of work in and it's just going to still be like a mediocre lawn. And uh, but we're hey, it's not for the fact of trying. We are doing it. And I've I have high hopes for this yard. Well, that's a very grown up and mature thing for you. It is that there's Thank you. <laughs> we Thank you, that phase. We become parents. We become homeowners. We become keep off the grass kind of kind of guys where we're seeding and watering to keep that grass looking good. It's uh yeah, it's a phase of life that will become your hobby for a while. Do you think that there are lawn podcasts? Like, is somebody out you there? You know, there doing must be. There's, there should be one called The Grass is Greener. If there isn't, we should start it. So me and my buddy, Zach, we, we do a podcast. We have a Youth Ministry Booster podcast. Um, we have often talked about another like podcast idea. We want to call it Episode Zero. And every episode is a new genre of podcast. It's a whole different podcast. Yeah, done in that way. But it would still be us, right? So it would be us... But then we would do like a knitting podcast that was just like all about knitting. Yeah. That week. And just then the like two make, of you, which would be. <laughs> correct. Really That's fascinating. the thing. Like, but, but, but it's not like, a, oh, we're going to talk about knitting today. Like you just tune in and the episode, episode zero is like two guys that are super into knitting talking about knitting and like go deep into it, like make it a fun, cool podcast. But every episode would be that. So like the next episode would be like survivalist or whatever, you know, and you yeah, just I like it. That. I think, so I think it's kind be of really like fun. the it's like the something new podcast or something yeah. new every single time. It's a little bit like yeah. uh, I guess for our Seinfeld fans, it's a show about nothing. So exactly. it's about everything. It's so you would get you would get a lot of new information about different hobbies that you're not knowing about. But it'd also be like a little like tip of the cap to like podcasting because there's very, a lot of different like styles of podcasts and ways to do them. And yeah. It's a very Enneagram seven thing to do to have yeah, it be which, about something different every time, which Zach is right. My, my, yeah. Zach is very much an Enneagram seven, like to the All right, well, well, speaking of talking about something new, this may not be something new for you, but it could be for our listeners let, on the kids ministry one-on-one podcast anyway. So let's talk about partnering with parents. Yeah. That, that'll be our new thing. This podcast, this will be, Hey, every, Hey listeners. Welcome to the partnering <laughs> with parents podcast with Chuck yeah. and Chad. There we go. We've got a new podcast, Chad. There we go. So here on the PNP, Partnering with Parents podcast with CNC, Chuck and Chad. Look at how this Ooh, is developing. Right? This is Man. so good. We are all about today partnering with parents. Partnering starts with you and it ends with them and it connects with kids. And I'm running out of things to say. Chad, help me out here. Let's <laughs> talk about partnering. Thank you for listening, everybody. 
<laughs> let's all right. Let's talk about partnering with parents in our ministries. We we know that we love ministering to kids and students, but but mm-hmm. partnering with parents, with caregivers in the home, with families is so so deeply important. Yep. For the sake of the kids and students that we want to see grow in their relationship with the Lord, where do we begin, Chad? How do we begin this uh, this desire uh, to partner with parents? Where does it start? Yeah, well, so you know, as we talk about like helping parents disciple their you know their their children um, as a church and as church leaders, if we believe that and we believe in that strategy and that you know parents are influential in the children's life, like then we have to understand that we are partnering with parents in that. Mm. If we continue to hold all the reins and just do our own program and just do our own thing, um, then and then we tell parents to disciple your kids, those two things can become in conflict with one another. Um, and so we as the church want to help and partner with parents to understand what they're doing, encourage them in doing these things, whether that's you know reading scripture, praying for your kid, these kind of things. Um, we want to champion parents. Um, I I think that this is true in the kids ministry world. I know it's true in student ministry world. Sometimes as student ministers, um, parents can become an area of conflict, right? For the individual youth pastor, right? Maybe they feel like, wow, the parents are, you know, never happy with what I'm doing, like all of these worries, these kind of things. And youth ministers and parents can sometimes butt heads a little bit. And so I think in partnering with parents and helping parents disciple their teenagers, it has to start from a place of empathy and compassion for mom and dad. Mm. Um, and maybe that is re, um, healing some relationships. Maybe that maybe you're new to your church and you're coming in from this place of having empathy, compassion for parents. Because if we're not <clears throat> if we're not careful we can begin to have, you know, areas of bitterness, areas of anger pop up, right? And here's how sometimes this plays out. Um, Maybe you work really hard coming up with an event, right? Maybe it's vacation Bible school. You've been working for months on this. You've got some, uh, you know, leaders are recruited. Everything's ready. It's going to be awesome. And then you're trying to get, you know, your family's there and you hear over and over, well, we've got the baseball tournament this week, right? That can become so deflating Mm -hmm. and we can become so frustrated. And then our parents become the enemies in the situation if we're not careful. Well, if they were just here and I understand those feelings and let's be honest, that may be true, right? Mm -hmm. Like some of them need to make the sacrifice and be here. But in our heart, are we still empathetic and are we still compassionate towards those families? Have we become so tied to our own ministry agenda and filling the room and having the exciting events that we are steamrolling our families? Um, Or are we ministering and serving from this place of compassion and empathy and realizing Hey, maybe not all of our families are chasing after the Lord, but how do we continue to love and care for them in a way uh, that's life-giving for their family uh, and helps bring them into this vibrant relationship with the Lord that we see discipleship happen in the home? Mm. Well, I think there's so much to uh, to to focusing or honing in on that word partner. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we you mentioned that we're not we're, we shouldn't be against each other. We need to be for one another. Yeah. So just as you were talking, I decided to Google like what's the definition of that word partner. So it's looking it up on uh, good old uh, dictionary.com on Google. The definition of partner it's it's uh, either of a a pair of people engaged together in the same activity. Yeah, we we need to see par- parents as partners uh, in in uh, serving their kids, but us as partners for them as well. And there's Absolutely. just having that mindset that we're not against one another. We need to be working together can change the way that we approach those relationships with parents. Yeah, so I love we're the say, church, right? Like compassion. We're the church. Like there, I think there's reason in scripture. Like it gives these like family imagery like model for us. Mm-hmm. And I think as as leaders, this realization that's like, we're not just creating a ministry like <laughs> without people. Like people are the thing. Yeah. And and so for us to be able to like look at parents, have compassion, empathy, and begin to ask questions like as we think through our year and as the programs that we're doing, like, is this serving our families that we have now? Um, I think one of the big traps that we can sometimes fall into is, you know, reading the new book or going to the new conference and just immediately going, that's a great idea, right? We hear about what the church across the country does, and it may be very successful for them. But I think in the implementation of that inside the local church, there's a process of asking questions and getting really close to our people to figure out like, okay, we understand the main premise and idea. How do we really, um, how do we really begin to implement this into this local context that works for our people, um, that tugs at the heart of our people, that speaks their language, mm-hmm. that can make something really successful? And I think that that requires us as ministers being close to our people mm-hmm. and knowing them and hearing them and hearing like the specific like struggles and needs inside of your community. Mm-hmm. Um, and not being disconnected from that and not just trying to like run the playbook right. and expecting everybody to jump on board. Well, there's there's two sides of that partnering as you talk about running the playbook um, it, I, and having being a parent and someone who's mm-hmm. invested in ministry. I can see, and you can as well, Chad, both sides of that equation, of that relationship, right? As as a, as a as a ministry leader. I may be inclined to feel like parents are sometimes against me and what I'm trying mm. to do, right? And that yeah. they're they're not for me as a ministry leader. And I wish yeah. they were more involved or invested in the things that I'm doing at my church for their kids. Yeah. And if I feel like they're against me, that can be hard for me and my job as a minister. On the flip side of that, as a parent, we have been in different ministry situations, different church situations over the years where where we have felt, and maybe some parents feel, that the ministers are against the parents, where mm. they're they're trying to say, here's a bar, here's an agenda, here's a plan, and you parents are failing at this, and the parent can be made to feel that the minister is not necessarily for them with empathy and compassion to be there to encourage and partner, but to say, you parents, you either need to get on board or you're not doing a good job. And so I think it goes both ways, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And I think, I think that that's, that, that's why relationships so important in this, right? Mm-hmm. Like getting, I mean, knowing our leaders, having our leaders know our parents, like, you know, one of the things, as simple as this may sound, 
sometimes the most simple things in application aren't always this, especially depending on the size of your church. But just knowing the names, hmm. you know, like sometimes in children's ministry and youth ministry, we know the kids. The kids are in front of us, right? Yes. We get to know their name. But, you know, Johnny's mom and dad actually have a name. <laughs> and, and and taking the time, if we're able to, as much as we can, to begin to know those. And we may have listeners that you're you're going, well, I serve at a church with thousands of people. How am I ever going to get to know all these? Mm-hmm. But you can know more today than you did yesterday, right? Like, we're not trying to judge you off of, you know, somebody across the country, but being better today than you were yesterday, getting to know these names because they matter. Like these people matter. And I think there's something to that. When we, when we set goals like that in front of ourselves, hmm. not only in that situation to become better ministers, but it begins to like reshape our own heart that if, if we're trying to get to know the names of our parents our heart is softened to these people. Mm-hmm. Like we, we will have an extra drive, extra energy in doing the work because we now tie it to people. Mm-hmm. It's not just a program. It, it's, it's a program that we're doing that we care about because we want, we want Nancy to fall in love with the word of God mm-hmm. so that she's going to share that with her children. Um, and, and so I think that there's something to that in our own like longevity in ministry, our own health in ministry, that we would minister in a way that's life-giving to us mm-hmm. because we're uniquely connected with these people. And, and and I think we need to make sure that we're cautious to not just speak the truth, right? A lot of mm-hmm. us in ministry, we we have a desire to speak the truth. But to speak the truth in love yeah. is really what we're called to do, right? And that that's a different type of effort because we can be right and we can have a voice and we can preach and proclaim and, and uh, instruct, but it, that has to be in the context of a friendship or a trusted relationship yeah. for that to be received. It's like the old, you know, the old, uh, nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. Uh, yeah. That can sound sort of like a trite little colloquialism, but there's truth in that is we, we need to truly uh, earn the right to speak uh, truth into people's lives. And we do that by first uh, embracing them in a, in a known uh, friendship, uh, where we know and are known by them, and uh, and where we can share in that context of love. First uh, Corinthians sixteen fourteen, you know, let let all that you do be done in love, and that's certainly true as we come alongside parents. Some of the things that we need to do and help parents with may not be easy conversations, right? And so to do that in the context of a of a knowing, trusting friendship relationship that can go a long ways for us, but that takes investment. It does. And what we're talking about is slow. I mean, this is the hard work of ministry, really, that goes beyond just the administration aspect of it. Like this is like in the trenches with people. The other big benefit that I don't think is talked about enough in this style of ministry is it starts to help us as ministers actually realize if we're being successful or not. Because if we don't have this like closeness and relationship with our families, the only metric that we have to go off of is like bottoms and chairs. Mm. Like, were there more people here this week than last week? 
because that's all we're judging off of. Mm. But if we have close connection and we're hearing stories and feedback, we're able to then evaluate the true metric of what we have to be like uh, measuring is like, is there life transformation happening? Are people becoming more faithful? Like you don't just get that off of like bottoms and shares, like bottoms and shares represent like some important things, but like it, it is only looking at metrics as far as like connection, outreach, those kind of things. It's hard to measure like transformation just off of bottoms and chairs. And, and so us being able to be connected, hearing stories, sharing stories, those kind of things are beneficial for the life of our ministry. A word, Chad, that you use repeatedly is the word celebrate. You talk about mm. we need to we need to be have a culture of celebration. Why is celebration so important and how does that help us build that connection? Yeah, I think celebration is unbelievably important in ministry. Um, when we when we have a clear expectation of what discipleship looks like um, and, and we've cast that to our people. Um, one of the, the last episode that you and I were together, we talked specifically about, you know, being in the word mm-hmm. and let's say we've communicated that to our parents. We want them to be in the word and to be in the word with their children at home. We have got to get to a place that we celebrate when that happens. Mm-hmm. We do multiple things when we celebrate one, what we celebrate and value is what people cling to. Right. right. Like they know, Okay, hey, they made a big deal about this. I want to implement this in my family. I'm going to begin to do it. So we cast that vision when we celebrate things. And I'm a big proponent. Celebrate big, celebrate loud, celebrate in front of everybody on things that matter. All right. Say that again. Again, I love that (laughs) that triplet. Celebrate big. Uh, Celebrate big. Um, what, what did I say? I, that so wasn't big, like a, you said, celebrate big, celebrate yeah. loud, celebrate okay. together in front I of love those yeah. three things, Chad. That's great. Um, and, and so as we, as we celebrate, we're also inviting other people into that process. Um, because when, when family a does something right. And we, as a church get to celebrate it, family B who maybe whatever you communicated felt unobtainable to them, mm-hmm. they now get to see real life example mm-hmm. just down the road from them of carrying that out. Mm-hmm. It goes from being a theory to something that is like obtainable and not just obtainable by somebody across the country that has a perfect family. If we're in, in relationship, it's like, well, f- I know family A. Right. I've been at the ball field with family A. Like they're not too different than me. We can do this as well. And so you're inviting other people into it. Uh, and there's just excitement in our church. Like we're carrying out the vision. We're talking about the things that matter. We're celebrating the things that matter. It's exciting. Like people want to be a part of um, things that, 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 that like life change is happening. And so we're inviting people into that. And the things we celebrate are what what are behaviors that are reinforced, and that people will exactly. emulate what we celebrate, right? That will that will uh, encourage them to move forward in those things. I love the emphasis you put on storytelling, which mm-hmm. an old fashioned word for that is testimony, right? Sharing yeah. your story and, and testifying of what God has done and is doing goes a long way to help uh, help model for other people what this looks like. And maybe it doesn't seem quite so intimidating when you see that 
the family down the street or down the pew exactly. or down the row is able to do that. And as we talk about those things, it become more attainable and less uh, frightening. Correct. Exactly. And if this is new for your church too, I think sometimes we feel like, well, you know, the story needs to be big and amazing and, you know, outlandish and all these kind of things for us to celebrate. I would really encourage you to celebrate the faithfulness, not just the outcome. Mm -hmm. Like if you're waiting for the story of how like a family begin to read the Bible and like this, some miracle happens, you may be waiting a long time for a story to tell. But if we're telling and we're celebrating even simple faithfulness moments, right? Like, hey, this family, they read the Bible every day this week, right? Or whatever that may be. Like, it's not this big outcome. We're just getting to celebrate the small faithfulness. And they were inviting people into that story in belief that the amazing thing that God's going to do is coming, right? Yeah. Like, and, and so we want to we want to encourage and, and celebrate the faithfulness and not just the outcome. And I think that that's really, really important if you're like waiting around and trying to find the story and expecting this like amazing story to take place to share the testimony. And I don't think that that's true. So. Well, and you, you mentioned something in there in your answer. I forget exactly how you said it, but what, what stood out to me was we, you know, it's good to have big goals and big long-term goals, but it's really important to celebrate short, term milestones or like, like little mile markers, right? Mm -hmm. That they read the Bible every day this week. That's it's five days or seven days. It's a, a short term attainable goal that we can set. And if, when we set mountainous goals for our families, it can, it doesn't take long before everyone feels inadequate and defeated and they give up. But when we can set that short-term goal, you know, let's do this one time this week or focus on this one verse, this, uh, this particular week or this season, those little, little things that we can celebrate as accomplishments can go a long way to bolster good behavior. You know, I, I heard a guy talking, um, it was a video that was shared with me. He was a personal trainer and he's like, Apparently he, he's like a very successful, like personal trainer that have helped people that like really struggle, um, you know, with like physical health and things like that. One of his uh, processes when he begins to help people work out that that is like foreign for them in their life is the first thing that he sets is that they have to show up to the gym for the first week and work out for five minutes. They don't do anything else. And he said, most of the time, like you basically get there, you do like one rep and you're done. Mm -hmm. And that may feel like oh, I'm wasting my time. But he talked about how what, what you're trying to do there is you're just establishing the routine. Mm -hmm. Like that's where you start. And I think for many of our families that they're not in the word, they're not having, you know, conversations in their home, like family discipleship seems foreign to them. If we're setting the bar at, you know, your family is going to read all of the Bible through in a year and you're going to spend, you know, Saturdays fasting and praying together. Like for families, they're just like, ah, I'm not doing that. It's right? too much. Yeah, It's too much. But helping them have attainable goals for their family and then celebrating that along the way, small wins become big victories. Mm. That's great. And when we can help families 
feel like, hey, man, I'm doing something. Like, I am getting to, like, even just read the Bible for myself and have little conversations with our kids. Those little things can become huge impacts in our families. And so let's not skip over those steps because a lot of our families, if we're going to be honest, even the ones that we see every day, they're not having these conversations. They're not in the word. And so little steps along the way that we can grow into, they will get us to the place that we want to be. Fantastic. Chad, that's such a good word. Little things matter. Those small, little, daily baby steps that we can encourage families to take will make a big difference over the course of days and weeks and months and years uh, in the course of the life of our kids. Chad Higgins from uh, the Lifeway Students team, our parent ministry specialist over there. Chad, we're so thankful for your friendship. Thanks for being here today and for sharing your wisdom and insights with us. Well, I'm thankful for you guys. I love what you're you're doing in Lifeway Kids and continue. And for all the the children's ministers and pastors out there, what you do is important. Mm. And you may feel frustrated and you may feel all of these different emotions that are happening in your life right now. And it may be just after Easter for you and you may feel uh, like you just need a nap. But I want to encourage you to hang in there. The work that you're doing is important. uh, And families like mine are so thankful for all the work that you put in. Um, So keep going. Uh, And in the same way that we want to encourage families, um, push into Jesus. Hmm. Find time to be in the word. Find time to abide in his presence. uh, And he invites you into his rest. Thank you, Chad. We appreciate that pastoral voice. Chad Chad has served as a pastor, not just to students, but he's a pastor pastor. Yeah. And so, Chad, that those words mean a lot uh, to our listeners. So thank you for that heartfelt yeah. encouragement. It's true, listeners. It's true. The work that you do matters. And it does start with you. So we, as we uh, seek to be those trainers, as Chad mentioned, for other people, we need to make sure that we're taking care of our own uh, spiritual health as well. So let's make sure that we are faithful to not let our Bibles become textbooks that we teach from, but that they would be something that we truly take quality time to have real connection with the Lord ourselves uh, so that we're not giving out of an empty bucket. I know many Many of us are giving and giving and giving. And unless we find a way to be refilled, it can be very, very difficult for us and discouraging. So we want to encourage you listeners to stay in God's word as well. And along those lines, uh, we talk a lot about, you know, kids resources that we provide at Lifeway. And we do provide wonderful resources for kids and for students. But there's resources for you and your personal walk as well that you can find at lifeway.com. And so you may find devotional studies uh, for yourself that you can use with your team as you seek to invest in them uh, or just, you know, to uh, to stay connected with others uh, in your church. And so all that is at lifeway.com. Uh, there's a wonderful collection of resources for anything you could possibly need for your own walk with the Lord as well as for the ministries you lead over there at lifeway.com. So please buzz over there and check that out. And uh, I know that you'll find some wonderful things. Thank you for listening. As always, we'll see you back again next time for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.